This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1544, the CGS 10-year anniversary panel at the London Super Comic Convention. Welcome to the show. I'm Brian Chrisman. What we have here for you in this episode is a recording of the 10-year anniversary panel that uh, Brian uh, Murder Myself took part in at uh, the most recent London Super Comic Convention. So we'll play that for you uh, here. It's about 45 minutes long. But first, a word from our sponsors. Uh, this episode of Comic Geek Speak is brought to you by Geek Nation Tours. Speaking of conventions, uh, this October, Geek Nation Tours is off to New York City Comic Geek style. They will be headed not only to the Uber Awesome New York City Comic Con, but also will be exploring New York City through a geek's eyes. Tour, tour participants uh, will see the regular New York City uh, tours locations like Hell's Kitchen, uh, Central Park and Times Square, but they will even stop by the fictional address of the Fantastic Four, uh, where Uncle Ben was shot, and even the Frick Museum, which was the inspiration for the Avengers Mansion, uh, the Daily Bugle, and much, much more. They even will be hitting a couple of comic book stores like Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash, as seen on Comic Book Men. Uh, the tour goes from Tuesday, October 6th to Monday, October 12th. Uh, what is included are all accommodations, all transfers, entry fee to New York City Comic Con, Top of the Rock viewing area, New York by foot tour, all taxes, Metro Pass, a welcome dinner, which you never know who's going to show up at the welcome dinner, uh, Hell's Kitchen dinner, lunch at the downtown, a farewell dinner, free hotel Wi-Fi, and, ex and an exclusive Geek Nation Tours New York City Comic Con bowling shirt. So check out their tours at GeekNationTours.com And this episode of Comic Geek Speak is also brought to you by Scribd. Scribd is like Netflix for comics. With a subscription, you'll get access to more than 10,000 comics from Marvel, IDW slash Top Shelf, Valiant, Dynamite, Archie, and more. They're the only subscription service that gives you that variety all for one monthly price. On top of that, You'll also get unlimited access to the huge library of ebooks and audiobooks, more than 1 million titles altogether, all available anytime, anywhere. Head over to scribd.com slash comicgeekspeak to get started with a free month. Even more importantly, Scribd makes sure you can find your way to comics and books you're going to love. They've got hundreds of collections curated by their team of editors, and as you read, they'll tailor recommendations for you based on other titles you've loved or not. Go to scribd.com slash comicgeekspeak right now, and they'll set you up with a free month to get started. That's 30 days of unlimited reading, and you'll be supporting this show, so it's a win-win situation. That's S-C-R-I-B-D dot com slash comicgeekspeak. All right, and I want to give a very big thank you to Nick Edwards of the upcoming Alco Comics Anonymous podcast for recording the panel. Uh, I did not bring along anything to record the panel. I wasn't thinking clearly enough. So Nick uh, brought along his own portable recorder and put it on our table and uh, recorded the panel. Uh, so it's not the quality you would get from getting it right out of the mixer, but it, it's good enough to listen to. Uh, you can hear us pretty clearly. You do also hear the uh, speaker in the background for we had at the panel. So it's a pretty good uh, panel. I guess it's about 45 minutes long, and let's get right to it. All right, everyone, how you doing? Enjoying the con so far? 
Good, good. That's what we want to hear. So, welcome. Thanks for coming out. We're going to talk about Comic Geek Speak and our 10 years of doing comic podcasts. I'm Brian Deemer. I'm Brian Chrisman. And I'm Adam Murdo. <laughs> that sounded oddly familiar. <laughs> So, I'm, just, I'm just tweeting a photo right now, excuse me. Uh, our social media director here is part of work. <laughs> you sure you're not confirming our flight for tomorrow? No, not yet. So, uh, we don't really have an agenda for the next hour. Um, we've just, uh, last week was our 10 year anniversary and uh, just sort of coincided with this event here. So, we figured why not have a panel as it's as close to our anniversary as you're, you're likely to get here. So uh, I figured we'd just do a lot of questions and answers from the audience. I have a question for you first, if I may. Go right ahead. <laughs> when was the first time you had any listeners in the UK contacting you about the podcast? You realized you had listeners outside of the States. I, I don't Good remember question. the details. Uh -huh. uh, I, it was probably early on, I would imagine. I, I guess. You guys know my memory. I mean, how am I supposed to remember that? No, I, I don't have any particular memory of exactly reading an email or a voicemail or something that, that said, hey, I'm from the UK, or hey, I'm from Germany, or, or whatever. I, I, don't, I don't recall. Um, I'm sure that made me very happy, because I, I love to travel, and I love the world and stuff, so, you know, that, that's a little more exciting than, hey, I listen from Cleveland. You know, that's not nearly as glamorous as, you know, I listen from even Surrey or something, even though that might be not exciting here. To me, that's very exciting. Because I know you didn't used to have like a, was it a world domination map where people would pin where they were from. That's yes. right, we did have that one. I forgot all about that. Ah, so we had listeners in a certain country, that country got a pin. Yeah, no, that was pretty cool. UK was one of our first conquests. <laughs> it's reverse colonialism, right? Mm -hmm. Get a little taste of that medicine. Uh, so, if anybody has any questions, just raise your hand, I'll walk around with the mic, and uh, we can do this. Anyone? If not, it's going to be a real short panel. Who wants to make Ryan Beaver walk some more? Yeah, unfortunately, the way the speakers are, they're pointed out towards you guys, so I can't actually hear what you're saying. So the question was, at any point during the last 10 years, has there been a, a, a moment where we were all like, let's just pack it in and be done with this? Um, well, as many of you know, I, I did leave the show for some time back in October 2013. and made a big deal even an episode about it. Well... I felt it was that more of a celebration of the <laughs> of no more pants. Well, celebrate no pants, come on! <laughs> How do I follow that? Uh, I was at the point where I was just not reading a lot of comics and didn't feel I had a lot into it. <laughs> I didn't feel I had a lot to say, so it was like, why was I on the podcast with my kids? Again, to some extent, personally, I feel that way, but. Everybody I've talked to, most of what I've talked to recently, has been, oh, no, pants, you're, you're wonderful, we love to hear you, so 
that makes me feel good. But I did go to the guys and say, you know, what do you want to do? And they want to continue. So I, I can't say that we all said, you know, let's pack it in. I had a moment where I just thought I couldn't go on. And unfortunately, with Jamie's passing, I, I, I missed seeing the guys on a regular basis. And that's the main reason why I came back. I hope I can contribute to the show in some small manner. You have been contributing in some very large manner. Well, full thank you. Never lose sight of that. Okay. <laughs> but what about you? You feel packing it in any time? It seems to me that every time we've suffered uh, well, a, a decline in personnel, uh, the possibility of just stopping has been on the table, uh, but never really that, that seriously considered. I mean, when you left, was probably when we came the closest. But Jamie, I think, um, there was, nobody really wanted this to go away. And Jamie pushed the hardest of any of us to say, I really want this to continue. I'll shoulder most of the producer duties now that Pants is no longer with us. Yeah, I know he made a very specific point in our conversations. I want to go to 10 years. I want to see it go to 10 years. I remember that very specifically. Yeah, just at least make it that far and then like, reconsider, uh, just uh, take another look at things. But uh, here we are, we, we made it to 10 years. And, you know, Jamie's pushing Shane and I along. I remember there was a telephone conference we had. Oh, yeah? Shortly after I did not know this. We said, you know, what do we want to do? Who's going to do what from here on out? And, and so we, we pressed on with uh, the three of us, plus uh, Chris Everly on occasion, and the occasional uh, jump in from Brian and Peter. And even more occasionally jump in from Kevin. Ooh. Exactly. <laughs> and then, I, so, I know it's also a plan to So it's just, you know, the ball slowed for a little bit, but it kept on rolling, and now it's picked up momentum here in this anniversary year, and here we are in, in London once again. So for me, at the time uh, when Peter left, and then it wasn't that much longer after that that I needed a break, you know, we were, we were doing a lot of work, especially right when Peter left, we were still doing like five episodes a week. And it's just a lot of work, and we had moved, and I had a new job, and there's things exploding behind me, <laughs> and uh, and I just needed to not focus on something that wasn't the most important things in my life, right? And then once you step away for a while, you get a little breather, then you kind of miss it, and, then, and right now, our listenership is higher than it's ever been. We have more people listening to the show than ever. And that's gotten me a little more excited because that's what I always wanted back years and years ago. And things stagnated for a while. And now it seems more people are getting into podcasting finally. So I'm a little more excited to be part of it a little more regularly. It's still sometimes challenging for me because of my schedule and the nights that... Sometimes we record and sometimes we don't. There's been lots of episodes I wanted to be on, but it just didn't work with what we had going on. Uh, and so, but I, the 10 year anniversary and, and Peter and, and Murd have been jumping back on crisis tapes and there's more creative energy being, you know, happening again. And uh, it's, gotten, it's gotten me excited to do some more. So I'm really hoping to be on more episodes now. I'm reading more comics than I've ever read, thanks to Jeff. Uh, he uh, he hooks me up with the Marvel Digital Code, and so I'm reading tons of comics now. I'm probably reading more than you guys combined. It's crazy. Oh, I, every day I read like five or six books every single day, just plowing through stuff. And uh, so I'm getting caught up, and I'm like, I mean, only Marvel right now because I haven't really been. I'm trying to get all caught up in all the books Jeff gives me before I start buying other stuff because then I feel like I'm wasting resources and so I'm just like, no, gonna get caught up and it's gonna be soon. 
Soon, very soon. Um, and then I, there's a lot of image books I want to start reading because I've heard really good things, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to get onto that, but I'm, I'm forcing myself to get caught up first. Um, so I'm definitely going to be on the show more. I'm not going to say all the time. I'm not going to even say regularly because then people have expectations. But for me, I want to be back on more, so I will be back on more, whatever that turns out to be. Spotlight on the Fantastic Four in the John Byrne era? Yeah, I'm totally on that, because uh, I love that stuff. I bought, they did the Marvel Visionaries series for a while, and there were like, I don't know, seven or eight volumes of the John Byrne run, and I think I've read through five or six of them. So I've read the bulk of his FF run, and I know it was Jamie's favorite, and so I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it, especially with Chris's enthusiasm. It's contagious. Yeah, I just know that we've had a few conversations with Brian, oh, I got a great idea, I got a great idea. When he gets ideas, he's all over that, so. No, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some great ideas. Well, I don't know if they're great, but we'll talk about my nonstop brain uh, a little later on. Oh. So, Dave, you had a question? So, if you guys could go back in time 10 years and give some advice to your younger podcasting selves, what would that advice be? Hmm. Podcasting, well, probably open up, expand your reading a little longer. Because when I first started, of course, I was I had my DC blinders on. I was pretty much only reading DC books. wasn't on pretty much any Marvel episode at all. A lot of creators who I didn't think know their work, I wasn't on those episodes, and I should have been on a lot more, especially early on, and been more active. In been more knowledgeable and expanded my horizons. I mean, I have of recent, but that's when I would go back in time and say, hey, buddy, look at these Marvel books, look at the other independent books, you know, go to more content, talk to more creators. That's what I think I would have done. Uh, well, if I'd known, I'd probably advise myself to be a little looser about interviews. I'm always extremely nervous when we're interviewing anybody, except for a, a, a small handful of creators who, with whom we become very close friends, like J.K. Woodward, for example. I can talk to him anytime about anything, but uh, people like that are rare. Um, if there was some way I could go back in time and give my younger self advice on how not to be that way, I, I don't know how to do that now, so I wouldn't give, tell my 2005 self very much about it, but that's probably what. Other than that, I'd just say, you know, buckle up, it's going to be a crazy ride. And get ready to have a lot more friends than you've ever had in your life. I would have uh, bought a better microphone. <laughs> I, I, you know, I went to Radio Shack and bought the cheapest, like forty-dollar piece of junk that they had because it was an actual microphone. It wasn't a little USB thing that I had that was even worse. But I should have spent ninety dollars on a good Shure SM57, and then it, everything would have been different for those first like fifteen episodes or whatever. Until we finally realized we cannot do this with this piece of crap. Let's get a real microphone. It didn't take us too long, but those first I listened to that first episode, and it's like, oh my god, it's terrible. Not only is the sound quality terrible, Peter and I sound like we're 13, you know, and it's just, everything is just so... <laughs> I, Amen, I was 30, thank you very much. I might, I mean, I don't know, I might have looked like I was 13, I believe that, but... So just the general production quality stuff is what I would have changed. Well, we have a few... Um, sketch cards that uh, were given to us by anonymous listener to give us prizes as we see fit. Uh, and since uh, Dave, your son Lucas, is a big uh, 
I'd love to pick his brain at some point in the future. Mark Wade. Uh, I spoke to him very briefly at a convention about uh, the return of Barry Allen's storyline. And we spoke to him very briefly at a Baltimore con about another project. But as far as creators go, he's one of the people I sort of stuck with many things he, he's written. Of course, Daredevil right now. I love his running with Flash. When he was on Fantastic Four, you know, I, I, I bought that book, Empire. So, and I know he's, he's a huge encyclopedia uh, of kind of information going back to the Silver Age. So, he's probably somebody I would uh, enjoy talking to. But those kind of interviews, I think, work better, in my opinion, in person. Sometimes over the you know, Skype or whatever, it's not as good. But uh, he's one I would love to talk to at some point. And it's a great depth. Talking of living encyclopedias of comic knowledge, uh, I've always wanted to get a few people who are involved in the different uh, DC and Marvel serialized handbooks, whether the official handbook of the Marvel Universe or who's who on the DC side. Uh, Peter Sanderson, who's a comics historian that uh, DC had hired around the time of crisis uh, to help do research for that maxi series, and also for the who's who uh, handbook. And he's also done some work for Marvel at various times, so I'd like to maybe talk to him at some point. Bob Greenberger, Les Wien, Mike Carlin, anybody who's done work on those things are near and dear to And as far as past interviews that we've done, you know, I said at the 10th anniversary, I've always kind of liked the Jim Lee interview just because he's, he's, he's a true gentleman, he's you know, uh, learned and um, genteel, and he remembered my name. And, uh, and Jeff Smith was also a good interview that I remember. I said on the episode that I, I loved our Gene Cohen interview because he's, he was just such an amazing artist and he was also there very early on and the comics industry was so much different in the early 60s than it is now. I mean, you know, Marvel was Stan Lee and three guys in an office and they produced all the Marvel books and that was that was the entire Marvel industry. It was a couple guys in one room, right? And it's, So those stories are so much different from this what's going on now. For, for, just to indulge my fanboy, I would like to talk to, do an interview with John Romita Jr. He has such a huge body of work. He's he's now a legend, even maybe even more than his father was, and and he's got stories to tell, right? I mean, he's been doing this for how long now? I mean, I think he's, I think he's like 58 years old, right? Something like that. So he's been doing this for almost 40 years, or has been doing it for 40 years. That's a, that's a long time. So I think he'd, he'd be a great interview. And he's such a pleasant guy, and he likes to talk. So, you know, that would make, make for a good interview. Anyone else? Feel free not to answer this question, but I have a theory that drunk cat is Mike Ward. Uh, I can say Drunk Cap is not Mike Norton. There you go. You uh, eliminate one suspect right there. There there was a time when I did not know who Drunk Cap was and was, was happy in that knowledge. When I I think at one of our super shows, Drunk Cap won a freaking swear award, and I was tasked with mailing it out to him or her, and got this person's address, and, oh, okay, so this is who Drunk Cap is. So I know... It's, it's kind of a nice secret to have. A uh, few people know, but I think the mystery works so better, so much better. And hopefully, Drunk Cap will uh, chime in on our anniversary at some point, so we should hear from uh, Drunk Cap very soon, I believe. Uh, Jim Lee is a 
I think Brian can do it. Far better than either of us could. Yeah. Well, you know, you just ask a few people until someone says yes. Because <laughs> there's always going to be somebody who's nice enough to say, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. And then, and then the next guy say, well, we did an interview with so and so already. And then, and then you have two names to throw around, and then three names, and then eventually it doesn't matter anymore, and people just talk. And then, and then there were more podcasts, and so the word podcast started to be heard, and they and they started to know that this is a thing that people do is they'll do interviews on things called podcasts, and so it's not that odd to be asked. In the beginning, it was kind of hard because it was brand new, and no one had any idea what you were talking about, and. But then, well, actually, what happened too was a lot of the younger artists started listening to podcasts while they work, and then they're like, "Oh, we listen to you," so it's like, "Well, of course, I'll I'll do your show because that's cool because I listen to your show." And then it became easier to sell the older guys who didn't know what podcasts were. So, yeah. But in less than a year of doing a podcast, you had Gene Pullen on, you had Joe Hubert on, and you had Stan Lee on. I I think word spread pretty quickly. Well, we also had some, we pulled some strings for some of those, too. Well, yeah, but that, that's what you do when you're first starting right. out, you know? We, we, we were hungry, and we, we made it happen, right? You just persistence, and again, once you learn, once you meet somebody, then they know somebody, and then that person calls in a favor, and then it spreads around, and then eventually you got family on your phone, which is pretty surreal. Brian D. Moore. Yeah, I know, he said my name, and then he said it wrong. <laughs> Like, it's so exciting to hear it. You hear them say, Brian, and you're like, yes, and then, oh, well, it's not going to happen again. All right, I'll take it, though. It's close enough. <laughs> did, we ever, did we ever upset anyone? By asking them? I don't think so. I think uh, on the air, I think um, during the Mark Evanier interview, Something weird happened in the beginning. There was like a phone call we listened to or something, and then Mark was like, I don't know what just happened. I think he was like, get me off the phone, right? <laughs> but he had agreed to do it, so he stuck with it. Any other questions? So, we remember the first Thank you for reminding me about that. Even sometimes I'm behind the mic, I, I forget things, even in an event like this. Yes. So last night, uh, J.K. Woodward uh, organized a, a charity art auction uh, in Jamie's memory to benefit the American Cancer Society. We got a lot of donations of art from fellow artists he knows, from his own artwork as well. Uh, Sean Kelly from Storage Hunters was the auctioneer. It was at the Hotel Aloft in a bar last night. And last time I heard the Unofficial talent, but it's pretty good close. He raised 4,500 pounds for the Texas side. So, thank you. I know some of you here did last night. Um, that's, I already passed that information on to Sister Shauna via Facebook because she wanted to know how that went. And I know Dave from Hotspot, that went smashingly. It was a success. And uh, that really warms my heart because when Jamie got sick one other times, Brian decided to get a fund to get back and go travel. And he said, where do you want to go, Jamie? And Jamie said, London. And it just happened to coincide with the first convention here. Yeah, Jamie didn't even know that we were uh, 
doing the con yet. Like, That's it was, right. It was still a secret skunk works thing that I was working <laughs> on with John behind the scenes that hadn't even told these guys yet because uh, we, we didn't have the details finalized. So when he picked London, he had no idea that there was about to be a comic convention in London. So I know I had a, I know I had a blast here as well because. And even you, you presented him with the copy of Adventures Number Four, and that's we got that immortalized on audio. So that's that's one of this. And Dave, that weekend, Dave Williams was kind enough to act as kind of a guide for all of us as we stuck around in London for a few days after the show, with Jamie and his sister around to see all all the sets before proceeding on to Cardiff. Yeah. Hopefully, to see the Doctor Who experience, which unfortunately didn't materialize, which closed town at the time, <laughs> which I know. But still, it's one thing that we said to each other frequently in the, the days and weeks after Jamie's passing was how glad we were that this was able to be done for Jamie. And we owe it to everyone who contributed to the Jamie Trip Fund. Thank you all very much for giving Jamie one of the best times he'd ever had. Any other questions? Hi, hi. So the boring question. Is everyone looking at the so I'll I'll talk to the, the Patreon question. So ever since the very beginning, I've been I don't want people to feel like they need to give us money. Uh, yeah, it would be nice if we made enough money to get paid, but we've never gotten paid in 10 years. And we don't do it because we want to get paid. I'm if actually people, more comfortable doing this without getting paid, Drew Pelly, because then if uh, the work sucks, we can just say, eh, it's free, it's a labor of love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people donate. And we have a link at the bottom for PayPal, and some people have an automatic $2 a month subscription because they wanted to. We didn't have a link there, and people kept saying, how can I donate, how can I donate, how can I, we find me? We relented and put a link. All right, and there's a few people who give us money every once in a while. And that's fine, because they want to. But if I put a Patreon thing on there, and it was right on the website, right on the side, and it was like, hey, you know, subscribe, that's not what I want. We have advertisers, and they pay so that we will talk about their product, and that pays for our hosting and the forums and the studio to have their lights on and all that stuff. But I don't want to flip that back to the audience because I don't, it just doesn't feel right to me, you know? Um, and also, if we, if we made it only a paid show, our audience numbers would drop to like one-tenth, and then we'd be doing all this work, and only a tenth of the people would ever hear it, right? And that wouldn't be a fun. The point is, we want to be out there. This is the new fandom, right? This is comics. This is how comic fans discuss comics now, is through podcasts. So, I want as many people to hear it as possible. Well said. What was the other question? Oh, it was from her. Uh, have you talked? With, what would it be like to talk to Mark Wolfman now that you're doing all these crisis tapes? Mm. Well, I refer you back to my uh, uh, uneasiness about doing interviews with people. I mean, I, I, 
I, I wrote my own big uh, master's thesis about something that Marv Wolfman wrote, and uh, I, I didn't try to seek his input out then because I, I would not have had the guts to talk to him about it, and uh, even now I, I would have felt a little un uneasy. Uh, but uh, you know, so we're, we're doing the crisis stage, and that is fortunately once again a two-person show since Peter Rios is back on board. In fact, uh, I got an email from him just a few days ago wanting to know when we could talk about crisis number two, you know, keep that podcast going. So uh, if he were on board and he would do most of the asking of the questions, then by all means, let's let's get Marv Wolfman on there. But uh, I mean, as for me myself, I, uh, I I do hold that work in a great deal of reverence, and I just am kind of nervous about talking to creators on the phone. So yeah. if it's up to me, we'd never talk to Marv Wolfman. But if Peter's okay with it, sure. Now, Marv, what about the people that you mentioned previously about the? Uh... Marvel Universe and those things. Those those guys don't get a lot of interviews. They probably say yes in a heartbeat. Would, would you be as as equally uncomfortable talking to them as Marv Wolfman? Or I think I'd feel a little more comfortable talking to them actually, since they're well uh, comic book pedants, much as I am, right. uh, the detail-oriented uh, you know, trivia geeks. Um, I, I feel I, I know more of the questions to ask them. Because I feel like that could be a really kind of fun series of interviews that, you know, with you at the helm, not that we couldn't be on the episode as well, but it was sort of like you played the host on those and sort of led the discussion because it's so near and dear to your heart. I think that would be cool. Anybody else who would like to hear a couple episodes of her going all historian on it? Okay. We'll take it under advisement. <laughs> all right, any other questions? <laughs> can, we, can we get DCBS to open up shop over here? <laughs> I, I'm sure they get asked that all the time. I know they, I believe they used to have international shipping option, but I think it was cost prohibitive to many people in that. May have, may, have, may have ceased that. Yeah, every time we come over here to the convention, we get that same query, and I mean, I don't know, they're always, they're expanding, they've expanded the states quite large now, physically as well as advertising, they're advertising in comic books right now. I'm pretty sure that in the United States, they are the largest comic reseller now, which is kind of awesome. It's very awesome. So we're, sorry for tantalizing you all these years with a service that's not available for you. Yeah, sorry. I have a, a, a quick, cool story while thinking about it. Sure. So, if you've listened over the years, you've known that one of my sort of dreams is, uh, so I happen to be working the section that has Art Adams in it as well. And uh, you know, he's a very slow artist, and so he doesn't really do comics anymore, he just mostly covers and stuff like that. And I've said, man, I wish he would just do a Marvel annual. Once a year, he gets to draw 48 pages of whatever he wants, work with a writer and figure it out. And so he had a lull yesterday, and I said, you know what I want? I want Art Adams' Marvel annual. He's like, oh, I want it too. I've actually floated the idea to editors, and it's just a matter of if we can find the right writers to work with, and if they can up their page rate so I can afford to live and do it, because he doesn't, because you get paid a lot more for covers than for an interior page. So he can do 48 covers and make X thousands of dollars, or do 48 interior pages and make way less. So he's like, if the page rate is the same, that's what I want to do. I'm so excited. <laughs> we might actually get the annual Art Adams comic. Let the grassroots campaign begin here. Yeah, if, if, if you know any editors at Marvel, tell them it's worth the page rate, all right? 
All right, any other questions? I know I saw some hands. And he waited around and around to the end of the auction to the dark, dark night to get that pen for you. That was his goal. I mean, I'm saying, bro, let's go meet. I have to get the pen. That's dedication, bro. Yes, that, that was an essential tool of the of the auction last night, James. So thank you much for the belonging to I could just add the, uh, oh, sure. uh, the preamble that uh, there are differing schools of thought on how much uh, post-production needs to be done. But, uh, there is the, the, the Jamie D school of thought was just uh, put the whole thing out there on the internet exactly as it was, warts and all, as raw as it can come, no matter what mistakes we make. But then there's the pants philosophy, which is as follows. Yes, when I listen to the episodes that I'm editing, I'm thinking, oh my god, like there's a, and during preview there's a lot of lulls. I'll call the lulls out. I won't necessarily cut out content. It's more of lulls, mistakes, and if you're a purchaser of the CGS app, or plug, um, many times if there's something that happens before the taping or after the taping, or some craziness that didn't have anything to do with the episode in the middle, I'll cut it out and then put that as a bonus content for folks who purchase the app. I don't do it deliberately, just a lot of times things happen. And the thing is now these guys know I do that sometimes, they might not be as candid as they will. And I'm not looking to get anybody in any trouble or anything like saying somebody is awful or whatever, but it's just, there's some gems that I hate to see lost because it didn't fit in the context of an episode. Uh, but yeah, I, I do a lot of editing. Sometimes if there's interviews, although we haven't really done very many interviews of late, um, I'll, you know, alternate them like opening put that into the interview afterwards, so it's moving around. I, I love doing that, I love editing, because so, I know if I listen to podcasts that are, you know, drawing on and on and there's technical issues, it's like, I don't listen to this, so I try to make it as crisp as possible, that's, that's my philosophy. Was it the pants plan that we did? Pants philosophy. Pants philosophy, okay. My idea from the beginning was, I wanted to treat it as if it was a live radio show, so there's no editing. You just talk. You don't. You can't rely on the post-production to save you. You just have to be yourself and do it and let it happen. And, and sometimes it's not so exciting, and sometimes it's magic, right? So, and also in the beginning, when you're doing five episodes a week, you have no time for editing. It was a save, release, save, release. You, the, we, we barely have time to record five episodes, let alone edit five. Because editing takes twice as long as recording. Oh, or at least, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a little that's a little different when you're doing that but so and i just sort of like the spontaneity and the you know it, it is more like you're in the room with the people while they're talking if there's no post-production sometimes when you're talking you get that awkward silence and you're like okay somebody else will say something soon and then then he goes on right and as far as the interview stuff i would generally have a piece of paper with five or six questions on. I didn't go crazy. I would do a little bit of research and go, oh, that book came out in 1973. Oh, okay, so that was six months before that other famous book that came out. All right, let me write that down and maybe I'll turn that into a question on the fly or 
something. And then as they're talking, I'd be frantically scrambling as I think of something to say based on what they just said, or Wikipediaing at the same time, going, wait, 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 that sounds familiar, you know, and then cross-referencing, that kind of stuff. All right, well, we're sort of getting towards you. We do have some prizes to give away, so I don't know how you want to do this work, but... Okay, uh, well, we have uh, up here three sketch cards left to give out, um, and one largish book. Large, um, uh, yes, big hardcover here. It's the DC Comics Super Villains Complete Visual History, which arrived in our studio some uh, weeks ago and which made its way across the Atlantic with me and is not going home with me. So, <laughs> I'll take on. it. I'll take it home. No, no, no. No, one of these folks is going to take it home. And the way we'll decide who, uh, we're going to do some trivia questions, okay, which has been a part of the Comic Geek Speak um, uh, process from the very beginning with Stump the Rios and nowadays Muddle the Murd. Um, I have here in front of me a stack of trivia questions, all uh, from my gingerbread, um, uh, composed for Pittsburgh conventions in the past, and now they've been exported to the London Convention. And uh, if anyone is interested in uh, earning one of these sketch cards here, we've got a uh, Spider-Man by Don Perlin, a Chris Ivey uh, Kate Kane Batwoman, and a Scott Blair Wonder Woman, the new 52 costume design. Um, so, anyone who's interested, uh, please raise your hand, and I will come around and subject you to a couple of these questions. All right, I see our first taker. I'm going to start with, there are three different degrees of difficulty, hard, intermediate, and easy. I'm going to start with that. All right, Adam. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a Marvel and DC. Marvel, okay. What is the name of the mother of Dakin Akihiro, a.k.a. Dark Wolverine? Ah, uh, no, I'm sorry, it is not Lady Deathstroke. It was actually part of my life. Sorry, it, 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 the answer is actually Itsu. Itsu. Uh, of course it is. <laughs> How did you not know that? Uh, get out! He just calls her mom. We're going to give you a second shot. Okay, you want Marvel again? Okay, this is easier. The Jester is a member of what hero's rogues gallery? The Jester. Right, it is Daredevil. Okay. Marvel question, Marvel prize. There is your Spider-Man Congratulations, Adam. Okay, who else would like to try here? I'd like to jump in here if I may, Bert, since time you. may be of the essence. Uh, uh, this prize is going to be the Chris Ivey Batwoman sketch for Batwoman at well, Kate Kane first appeared, this version of Kate Kane, in a little title called 52. She appeared first as Kate Kane as opposed to her back persona. What issue number was her debut of 52? We got one 52 shot. <laughs> yes. No, it was not 8. It was not 38. It was not 29. Oh my god, she's gonna go on forever. Try one more. 6 is right! There you go. Yeah. Are we going back to my questions? And I already have something uh, in mind for one Well, Wonder we've got Wonder Woman and uh, your book. Well, yeah. I've got something special in mind for the book. All right. Okay, so who would like to play for the Wonder Woman? It is by Scott Blair. Blair okay. Let's see. Uh, you, all right, I'm going to... I'm going to hear you. This is James Richardson. All right, now. 
Question chosen at random, you prefer Marvel or DC? Alright. Ultra the multi-alien's body is a composite of how many different alien races, not counting humans? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. The correct answer is four. I can tell you the names, but nobody cares. <laughs> As I did for Adam, I will give you a second shot. Would you like Marvel or DC? Okay. In Power Girls, revised post-crisis on Infinite Earth's origin, which has now been discarded, which DC character was believed to be her grandfather? No one's listening to you. No guess? I'm sorry, it was Arion. Arion the Immortal, Lord of Atlantis. You know what, I'll give you a third try. No DC? Okay. Where did Guy Gardner go to college? That was his alma mater. Oh my god. Sorry, James. The answer is the hated University of Michigan. <laughs> Sorry, but thank you for playing. Okay, we've already got another volunteer over here. Show of hands here. Who thinks merch should host a game show? <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. No one would ever win this. Marvel Not quite there yet. Okay, here we go. This is a Marvel Gold Age question. What does Arcus, the Golden Age vision, need in order to enter our dimension on his own? There's a certain substance that he requires in order to make the trip. Uh, no, I'm sorry, it's not working. It's smoke. Just simple smoke. Try again. Um, okay. What does LMD stand for? That is correct! Huzzah! Well done, Paul. Here is your winner, winner. Alright, so we're down to just the, uh, just the Victor Bell's book, Bird? Alright. Okay, now before we resume, I wanted to give special opportunity to Mr. Eamon Clark. He has come with a, a packet of Muddle the Merv questions. Yeah. Visual. Uh, there are visual aids to go with them. So, if you'd like to uh, advance here, Eamon, and show them to me and ask your questions. If uh, you succeed in muddling me, this book is yours. If not, it goes back out to the audience for their try. Well, I've only brought you the covers, okay? And they should have been bigger. Uh, microphone. Okay, so here we go. These are London-themed questions for Muddle Murd. So the first one, in uh, DC pre-1970, this is <laughs> Batman, issue number 62. Bob Kane and Dick Sprague did a story called The Batman of Britain where they first encountered the character, the first incarnation of the knight. Who, what was the knight's secret identity? Uh, I probably read this in a Who's Who at some point, but uh, So, Cedric Pesselthwaite. You're astonishingly close. Oh my god. <laughs> Percival Sheldrake, the Earl of Wardenshire. <laughs> oh, just a half a dozen consonants off. Darn. Okay, we move to Marvel, post-1970 to 2000. We've got Amazing Spider-Man issue number 95, hmm. uh, 
where Spidey fights in London, torn from today's headlines, the hostage must die. And the question is, in this issue, Peter Parker follows Gwen Stacy to London. When an American diplomat and his son are kidnapped by terrorists, what London landmark does Spidey rescue them from before the bomb goes off? Hmm. I'm going to say hmm, the Tower of London. Anybody? Big Ben. Big Ben, darn it. I was trying to straighten the stereotypes, but no. Oh, it's two strikes. Yes, it is. Okay, so post 2000, independent, sort of. This is an icon series, Secret Service by Mark Miller and Dave Gibbons. Uh, in this series, a British spy has to train his nephew as a new agent. Now, what is the appropriate and literary sounding name of the secret agent uncle? And I'll tell you that they changed his name for the movie. But in the comic book, what was his name? Mm. Yeah, we... I'm going to give you the clue again. It's appropriate and literary sounding. Mm. Uh, are we looking for both the first and last name or just a family name? Family name will do us. All right, how about Fleming? Anybody? I said, we didn't off the rack on the first issue of this. I really have no excuse. Jack London. Oh. <laughs> the call of the muddled. I'm afraid you'd be muddled. All right. Woo! You're well earned this, Eamon. Thank you very much for playing. Humble viewers again. Thank you. So I guess we uh, need to get wrapped up here. Yep. So I want to thank everyone, mostly for listening to our show, because as I've said a million times before, we wouldn't have a show if no one listened. And I also want to thank you for coming to the London Super Comic Con. We do a lot of hard work to hopefully put on a great show, and there wouldn't be a comic convention if people didn't buy tickets and show up. So thank you for multiple reasons for being here today. Uh, I really, really do appreciate it. And thanks uh, for taking time out of your convention experience to come and listen to us talk even a little more than you usually do. Yes, ditto. And if you haven't already gotten a gimme D button or wristband, you come up to the desk uh, yep. and grab one. Free for the asking. Yes. Thank you so much. Yep.